Hey there, I'm Jen Mueller, host of the Unrivaled Podcast, the podcast where athletes share their journey to becoming pros and the passions that fuel them outside their sport. Today, our guest is Jonathan Harrison, center for the New York Jets. Offensive line isn't a glamorous position, but it's an important one. And so is the work Jonathan does to eliminate bullying. We'll get to that part of the story soon enough, but first we should say hello. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going? Well, it's pretty good. I love a chance to talk about football and to see what actually drives athletes. And usually I would start a conversation with an athlete talking about his or her sports background, but I don't know that we can do that with your story because we need to understand how you got to football and the challenges I think that sports caused for you growing up. What do you recall most vividly about playing sports with your classmates in middle school? I remember that I couldn't make any of the teams. I was, that was one thing. I was athletic, but I was, I was really big. And, you know, I couldn't make most of the teams. So I remember not making the basketball team. Football, I was too heavy to play uh, football at that age. And I think I did track one year, but middle school track was, it was just like going to PE, basically. So, yeah, those are my memories. But, you know, outside of that, you know, at home playing like backyard football and stuff like that in the neighborhood, had a blast, you know, had a blast doing that. I realized that, you know, it was something that I would like to do, but I just never had the opportunity. And it seems interesting in context of your full story. You were a big kid. You had friends that you were playing with, and yet a lot of your classmates didn't want to be friends with you. In fact, they went to the opposite extreme and bullied you. How and why did that start? Do you know? I know for sure fifth grade is the earliest that I fully remember. It was a situation where, you know, I just, you know, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to, to fit in and hang out with my peers and have friends. At times, they would kind of act like they were my friend, but in front of other people, you know, they would do something to be cool or be funny and mess with me. I remember fifth grade playing soccer and you know, we two two captains were at recess, two captains picking teams. I was the last one picked, of course. And then I'm on the team and I'm, you know, I'm playing, playing my heart out, being competitive. And, you know, at one point, I just remember like my teammate just like pegging me with the ball. And like everyone just like laughing. And then like I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, I just deal with this and eventually I'll be accepted type thing. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, someone just slid tackled me and just, you know, took my legs out. And then, you know, like, okay, everyone's laughing, blah, blah, blah. But, hey, like, let me just do this. Let me not, you know, break down crying or something like that because everyone's messing with me. And there was really, like, a lot of that growing up. And then, like, I'd, I'd act tough at school and act cool at school. And then I'd get home and nine out of ten times I was super emotional to my mom or and my dad just, you know, saying, like, you know, what was going on at school. And, of course, my mom's like, you know, don't retaliate. Make sure, you know, you stay strong and, you know, don't. Don't let them see that it bothers you. But of course, that's easier said than done. Well, and what is the internal struggle that you grappled with? Because there's lots of different ways to deal with bullies, but you already said your size kind of played a factor in, in how you ultimately had to handle it. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the only way. That would have been the only way to kind of put my foot down and establish some dominance would be, you know, to assert my size and to... To, to show that, hey, like, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than you. But that wasn't my mindset. Despite me being that large, in my mind, I was 
similar to everybody else. And I didn't have that aggressive like quality at that age. You know, when I got older, like I found, you know, whatever fuels me and I can turn it on and off need be. But, you know, at that age, I, I really didn't have that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a fighter. I, I liked everybody. I wanted everybody to like me and it just wasn't me. And when we talk about your size, how big were you? Let me put it this way. I, was, I broke 200 pounds in fifth grade, but leaving middle school after eighth grade, I was 6'3", 270 pounds. And I left high school that exact height and weight. Just I started working out then. So I started to, to tone up a little bit. But still, I mean, it helps to put into context and perspective. You're thinking you're just like all the other kids. Meanwhile, you really are a mountain of a man yeah. in a little boy's body who's trying to figure all of this out. How did you ultimately end up handling that situation with the bullies? I didn't. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part. I didn't. I just, I just dealt with it. Middle school, the next batch of bullying was, you know, I was in band. And because I couldn't make any of the sports teams, I was in band. And I was a pretty good musician. I played guitar and French horn. And, you know, I traveled to New Orleans and New York in middle school to, for, to perform in concerts. And it was something I was confident at. And, like, everyone in the band room was, you know, was cool with me. Because, you know, like, we, we kind of were, we were able to relate. So I had, I had friends in there. But then outside of that, you know, the, the kids that were jocks and, you know, the cool kids in school and all of that, they thought, you know, they found it funny to, to kind of like try to tackle me every time I would go to lunch every single day. And the way my school was set up, we were, we were on a hill. So you enter the school way at the top of the hill. And then the further you go into the school, like the further down this hill you're going. And the cafeteria is way at the bottom of the, the hill. So the whole thing in middle school, Plus, like, the lines were long. Let me just add that the lines were always long. The whole thing in middle school was to preset your locker, you throw your books in your locker after class, and you sprint to the lunchroom to get, like, a good spot in line. And it was just a thing. Like, everyone, you see, like, a, a mob of kids running. And they knew which way I went every day. And every day, there would be, you know, four or five of them just kind of coming up. And you just see their faces light up when I turned the corner. And the biggest one of them all would just come running at me and just, just full on, just body to body, just try to, try to tackle me. And there's times I would like jump over the rail and I'm running in the grass trying to get away and they would just chase me. You know, it was just a thing. Like I didn't, it, rightfully so, I should have got up and tried to fight this kid. Like, like I should have hundred percent tried to fight this kid. And I don't, I don't want, I, I would never tell anybody to, but to that extent, like I should have been angry, but I would just kind of just dust myself off and, and, you know, just continue on my way. What was the commitment that you made to yourself after everything that you experienced? I guess it was just to prove everybody wrong. That's still a lot of my fuel to this day. You know, to prove everyone wrong, you know, the people that say hurtful things to me or, or physically, you know, hurt me or mess with me, whatever. There's even teachers that definitely dished some form of bullying slash, you know, discrimination, whatever you want to call it. You know, I remember leaving high school, I'm like, you know what, I will work myself to the ground to prove everybody wrong. I, I don't care if I'm bleeding, spitting, you know, whatever, like, I, I will work myself to the ground to prove everyone wrong. Because I know at some point I will be able to look back and kind of chuckle at the situation. Like, granted, it, it definitely messed me up some, 
you know, emotionally and mentally, but, you know, I can look back at those people that, you know, weren't the nicest to me or said mean things to me or said, I'd never be anything. And I can look back and constantly say like, Hey, look, you know, look, look where I am now. And, and look where you are because sorry, unfortunately, a lot of these people, you know, didn't do much after high school and it's sad, you know, it's not, it's not something to be proud of, but you know, they hurt me so bad and they, they really didn't do much after, after their high school glory years. When did the bullying subside? Later high school is when it started to calm down. That's when I started to slowly make my way into the, the popular group and the, the cool kids, whatever you want to call them, because of the football. And the fact that not many people got recognized for football at my school and I had a lot of big schools coming to visit me, like obviously these people were becoming friends for the wrong reasons at the time, but you know, they weren't, they weren't bothering me anymore. You know, they, they treated me with a little bit of respect and everyone deserves a little bit of respect. Even though the bullying started to subside in high school, when did it actually stop bothering you that that was the experience that you had? I don't think it'll ever stop bothering me to be honest with you. Sad as it may be. Um, I, I vividly remember everything to this day. And I can, I, you know, I can say that I know it's, it's definitely affected me more than, than I'll ever realize. And like, I've talked to, to people about it and it's, it's helped make me stronger in a lot of ways. But the fact that I went through that, I don't think will, will ever stop fully bothering me. I think you've channeled a lot of that hurt and used your platform to help other people who are in similar situations. What kind of comfort do you hope to give students when you go and talk on campuses? I, I just hope that they realize that they're not alone because that's one of the biggest things. Once you're going through that, you feel so alone. And no, no, no parent can fix how alone you feel in that situation because once you go to school, you're on your own. It's not okay for people to feel like that. That's just the way that people naturally deal with things. People are terrified to open up about these situations. And so many people, adults included, so many people just bottle all this up. And it's just this load of additional weight that you carry with you for the rest of your life. So what advice do you offer for either kids dealing with it or people who have witnessed bullying and don't know what to do next? people dealing with it, speak up, speak up and don't be afraid of hurting someone's feelings or don't be afraid of not being cool. Like that's probably going to happen. Like you speak up, like if you go tell like an authority figure at your school, you know, so-and-so is messing with me or saying this about me or now with social media, so-and-so is, you know, posting pictures of me, like all this stuff. Like I've, I've heard of all kinds of cases. But don't be afraid to speak up. Like you might get shunned by some of your peers being labeled like a snitch or a rat or whatever it may be. But in the long run, you will be much better. You will be much happier rather than just bottling it up and then just constantly throughout the day, just reenacting and replaying and rethinking all of what you've gone through. Like there's times that I could be doing something important and then my mind would just drift to like a random memory you know, from, from back in the day, you know, don't be afraid and look at the bigger picture. At the end of the day, you have to worry about you and you being happy rather than trying to impress everybody else who you won't even talk to as soon as you leave high school. 
the only people you keep in you keep in touch with a handful of people typically. Every once in a while, you know, once, twice a year, you may catch up with like an old classmate, but in the long run, you're going to keep in touch with only the people that cared about you and that treated you with respect. So don't worry about pleasing all these other people. And for the people that, that are witnessing, you know, a situation like that and that aren't sure what to do, they need to speak up as well for the sake of that other individual. Like if you really care or, you know, have any kind of empathy like you should really speak up whether you reach out to the person themselves just to be a friend just to just to talk to them you know just to be a shoulder to cry on whether you do that or whether you discreetly or secretly go tell a person of authority and you're like hey look like this is going on please i don't want to get involved with this but i just can't sit here and, and, and watch this this is what's going on like something needs to be done so I know that you work with a specific organization, Stomp Out Bullying. How'd you get involved and why do you want other people to get involved? Kind of accidentally stumbled on it because I never really publicly spoke about my, my experiences growing up. There was a uh, community service opportunity you know, with the Jets to, to go speak to you know, an assembly of kids um, about my, my experiences being bullied. And I had never done anything like that before. And I was like, you know what? Sure, sure. Let me, let me do this. So I remember going and I, like, I, was, I was just sweating bullets. Like, I was so nervous. I was like, man, what am I going to say? I know I'm going to stutter, all of this. And yeah, the first assembly, like, despite all the sweat and stumbling through, it, it, it went well. And I felt great afterwards because, like, I looked around the room and there was a couple hundred kids there. I think it was like three or four hundred. And I looked around the room and they were just so engaged in my story, kind of realized like to them, this is really shocking seeing, you know, this large NFL player saying that he was bullied, you know, all growing up. And it never really hit me like that because Stomp Out Bullying itself of schools in the New Jersey and New York area, or we will, you know, talk to assemblies of, of kids and just raise awareness and kind of, you know, share my story, one, and then two, kind of explain what I could have done better, what I should have done, and, and ways that they can handle those situations now. And then, like, I always emphasize, like, me growing up, I didn't have Instagram at my fingertips. And that, that's the biggest issue right now. I asked a, a group of fourth and fifth graders who had Instagram, and all of their hands went up. And I'm like, this is just insane right now. And and like, you know, I was kind of break, break that down and say like, hey, look, that's a form of bullying as well. Commenting something nasty on somebody's picture is a form of bullying as well. But, you know, just, so just kind of talk about situations that they would currently be facing and just ways to deal with it and just let them know it is okay to speak up and to be different. I think that's great advice. And I think at some point in time, football might've helped to channel your emotions. Was that ever oh. kind of an outlet? Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's strict. I'm not gonna say strictly an outlet, but it's, it's one of the biggest outlets for sure. I'm allowed to legally, you know, take my aggression out on somebody else. It feels good. You know, it just feels good to be able just to like, kind of let some, some aggression out at times. And it's just like, you know, that, that applies to whatever your, your, your niche may be. You know, if you're, if you're a musician, like if you're a drummer or something, like like go just rock out for a little bit. If you're a painter, you know, just sit there and then just distant out, just just fade away in your painting and just paint a beautiful picture. You know, whatever that may be, just use that as an outlet because you can tell yourself, oh, it's fine, it's fine. 
But if that thought even crosses your mind once, it's not fine. You know, you just tucked it away for now. It's just, you know, it's just under a cover for now and eventually will pop back up. And nobody will ever fully heal from, from scarring like that. Nobody will ever fully heal, but there are ways to better deal with it. Well, and for you, when you found football, not only was it a way to let out some of that aggression, but as it turned out, you were pretty good at that. Although, as you mentioned earlier, that was not the first sport that you were playing. Seems pretty obvious when I look at the stat line that says you're 6'4", 300 pounds, that you were destined to play football. We know that you had a band career in there. How did you get introduced to the sport of football? Like I said, my family wasn't like, they weren't big football fans. You know, there was never Sundays where we would sit there and watch football games, played some football video games. So I kind of, you know, I always kind of liked it. And then I would play backyard football. It was huge in my area. Like we would meet on Sundays, you know, on the weekend at the same park, everyone bring all their gear. And we were just playing just true backyard football, just like as organized as we could make it. And, and I just loved it. And I was like, man, you know, I just wish I could play. I wish I could play. Eighth grade, my eighth grade year comes around, and a couple of the the local fathers decided that there were enough kids. I'm using I'm using rejects lightly, like we always just joke now, just saying like, hey, you know, we were just the rejects of the area, but all of us that couldn't play on the other teams ended up on this team, and there was no weight limit. Our gear was just hand me down scrap gear. Like, I, like the amount of rust and stuff on some of our pads, like, could not have been healthy or safe. Our jerseys, like, my number, I had to glue my number on multiple times because it would always fall off. Like, it was rough. It was rough. It was just because it was such a low-budget makeshift team. And that was my first year getting introduced to football. I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't even know how to get in the stance. I barely knew, like, all the various positions of football. And I remember, like, I went and they were like, hey, hey, look, what number would you like? You know, what position are you going to want to play? I was like, I want to play fullback. I want number 40, like all sides. Coach's son was like, you know, the coach's son has 40. You're going to have to pick another number. So I was like, all right, let me go with 44. So I, I picked 44. You know, I had every intention of playing fullback. I would have I dominated because I was still larger than a lot of people there. And coach was like, I'm sorry, you're too big. You have to play offensive line. So that whole year, I wore number 44 playing, playing offensive line. And ever since I put my hand in the dirt, I never left. <laughs> never left the line. So who gave you the confidence to start thinking about playing football professionally? I'll say I never fully had the confidence until I started playing professionally. I, I honestly could say a lot of that was, was probably due to some form of like psychological trauma. Uh, to be completely honest with you, you know, there were many, many times when, you know, I transitioned to high school, the coach was like, hey, look, you know, you're not playing band, you have to play football, you're not gonna be in the band, sorry. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'll play football. Didn't even set foot on JV or the freshman team, went straight to varsity. And as soon as I got there, a lot of the upperclassmen started messing with me. So that was just like this whole new batch of, of bullying came through. They were not nice. You know, all of them would just tell me like, oh, man, I'll run you over and blah, 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 and this and that. And then one day I actually I got one of them. One day we we're doing a drill and I, I put one of the dudes on his back. And that was like my first step of confidence. I'm like, hey, look, you know, I, I might be kind of good at football. So then like I was at that phase for a while. Then colleges started coming around. I was like, you know what? All right. Like this is this is great. Um, you know, I'm an academic guy. 
And if I can get a free ride to a big name school and, and get some degrees out of it, I'll save my parents a lot of hassle. I'll save me a lot of hassle and I'll be, I'll be on the right course for my adult life. So going into college, that was honestly my mentality. I'm like, Hey, look, like I, I work hard, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, clearly I'm not that good. Like nobody really fully respected me. So let me make sure I, I handle my education. And the running joke with some of my close college friends is the, the offensive line coach at the time asked me to draw a, uh, a, a pie chart of how I separate my life. He's like, how you separate your social life, academic life, and your football life. And it took me a while, but I think I ended up putting like, like 40 or 50% academics, like 30% football and like 20% social or something. And he was like, so you're here and you're telling me that football isn't the biggest priority in your life. And like, it's still a running joke because nobody, like no one else in the room put like, like any academics larger than football. So even then, and in my fourth year in college, I was a, a highly rated center at the time. And everyone was saying like, hey man, you need to enter the draft. Like this is, this would be your time to enter the draft. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way that I'm good enough to get drafted. Let me stay for my last year. And I chose to stay for my last year for the education. And I had the conversation with my mom. I remember as vivid as day, I was like, look, let me just, I have one degree. I have one bachelor. Let me work on a second bachelor's degree. Stay this last year because the NFL is you know, not guaranteed and all of that. So stay the last year, didn't have as great of a football year, fall through the draft, get a sign as an undrafted free agent to the Colts. And that's what started you know, my NFL career still don't really believe especially I'm undrafted. I still don't believe that, that I have what it takes. And six plays into my very first preseason game against the Jets, coincidentally, in 2014, six plays in, the center sprained his ankle, and I had no intention of playing. Like, I'm just kind of chilling on the sideline. And I hear my name being called, and I get thrown into the fire. And after that game, I realized, I was like, I might have what it takes. This isn't as bad as I thought. And that started my career. So, What surprised you? I mean, that is a wild ride. I can't yeah. imagine that there's a whole lot that surprises you after that. But what surprised you about your transition to the NFL? People told me that it's, it's different. It's different in college and it's a business. But you know, what really surprised me is how much of a job it really is. It's, it's like people really think that we just show up on Sundays and as an offensive lineman, I just hit the, the closest person to me. You know, I just throw a ball between my legs and hit the pers- closest person to me, whatever. But there's so much more that goes into it on and off the field. It's really a full-time job. It, is it a hell of a job? Yeah. yeah, it's a great job to have. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's truly a job if you want to be successful. I'm not including injuries or anything like that, but, you know, the, one, the guys that don't approach it as a job typically don't last as long. Like if they're healthy and everything, like if they typically don't last as long, it's just a trend. The guys that you see last, you know, 10, 12 years, like it's truly a job. They show up every day and handle business. And, and I respect that. And that, that was the biggest shocker. And, and I'm very fortunate and very glad to be, to, to be able to, to call myself a, a professional football player, an NFL player. What was the moment that you just had to pinch yourself to make sure that you were really in the NFL? 
once again, that first preseason game against the Jets, I get I get thrown in the fire. Like I ran, grab my helmet, I get thrown in the fire, and and Matt Hasselback's the quarterback. I love Matt. Matt that's my guy. Um, and he's the quarterback. And I'm looking at him like, of course, I'm like, yes, sir. You know, whatever you need, sir. Like I'm just fresh out of college. And he was like, he's like, loosen up, man. He's like, it's, it's it's still football. He's like, just loosen up. And he started singing a Family Guy song in the huddle before he told us to play. And, and I just, I just, I just started cracking up. I'm like, is this real life right now? And then I, like, after that, we turn around, snap the ball, and then we're just back there playing football. And and I was like, man, like, this is a, like, he's he's a legend in my eyes. Like, like this is this is Matt Hasselback just joking with me in the huddle. Like, I'm about to snap a football to him. And that's kind of when it just, it hit me. I'm like, wow, this, this is the NFL. Last question related to your career and your story. What's the obstacle that could have sidetracked or derailed your career if you would have let it? And I know that bullying is a big part of the story, but I'm wondering if there's something else, another obstacle that, that you had to overcome. I would say my social life. Because once I got to college, University of Florida, when I first enrolled, the team was down playing for the national championship. So I was celebrating back on campus while they were coming back from the game, you know, because I enrolled early. Nobody knew me from Joe Schmo, you know, before I got to college. But once I got there and I'm wearing football sweats and the football gear around campus and everything, I was in a whole different light. Like, it was nothing like I ever experienced. Like, I started to kind of become cool with some some people in high school. But college, just being a Florida Gator football player, any of the athletes at that point, but at that time especially, being on the football team, whoever you were, like, it was a big deal. And it felt great. And it was, like, one of those things that it was just kind of, like, initially addicting, where I was just like, man, this is great. Like, I can go to restaurants. I can... Like I can go to bars, whatever, like, you know, people, people want to talk to me. They want to get to know me. They want to shake my hand. And it was just a cool feeling. And if I would just continued on that initial course of just kind of being addicted to that lifestyle, I don't think I would have like made it out of college successfully. And at one point I kind of just like, I don't, I don't know exactly when the turning point was, but I was like, let me, I can still have fun, but let me do it responsibly. Like, I don't want to make the paper. I don't want to to make the news. I don't want to miss a conditioning test. I don't want to flunk my classes. And, and I kind of dialed it back and I would have fun in moderation, but definitely not as much as like when I first got to college. I would imagine that that is something that you advise many students to do. Yes. Yes. The, your, the fun will always be there. Enjoy yourself some because college is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime experience, no matter what school you go to. Um, like enjoy yourself in moderation, but keep the task at hand. Don't waste the opportunity. It's too great of an opportunity. Do something with it. Not everyone's going to make it to the NFL, but if you put forth the effort, you're guaranteed to get some kind of degree from that school that you got a scholarship to. I think that is great advice. And the task at hand today was to spend some time with you, to hear your story, to have you share it in a way that helps others. You have absolutely done that. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Best of luck this season, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great meeting you. This is the Unrivaled Podcast, giving fans a refreshing look at sports. I'm Jen Mueller. You can find our complete Inside the Jersey profile on Jonathan Harrison of the New York Jets at unrivaled-sports.com. 
And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Look for Unrivaled's next Inside the Jersey profile of a likable professional athlete coming soon.